It's our first episode in English. I'm kind of nervous, and uh, I don't know. My English is not that good to make podcast. And we have special, special guest, our lonely aunt. Is it aunt or aunt? You can be either one. So then, our special, lovely aunt and aunt, <laughs> Emmy. So. I think we can start with like introducing you, like what do you do, what have you been doing, and how are you related to Mongolia? Can okay. you, yeah, yeah. So, uh, my name's Amy, and I am from Alaska originally. I grew up in Anchorage. Um, I'm almost fifty years old, so that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I've lived in a variety of other places since then. I went to college in Colorado. Um, I lived in uh, the Aleutian Islands in on Alaska Dutch Harbor for 13 years and taught school there. I also lived in um, Southeast Alaska. And when I was, I think I was late, my late 20s. Um, this is not in any particular order. So in my late 20s. I moved to Mongolia as a Peace Corps volunteer, and that was amazing. It was life-changing, um, and I lived there for three years and taught English, and that's where I met your uncle, Enke. Yay. Um, yay. <laughs> so that's how I came to be your aunt, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... And now I'm back in Anchorage with three lovely children that are um, twin girls who are 10 and oh. my son 13. So kind of full circle back to Anchorage for now. Yeah. So uh, I think you're the, you're the uh, one American that is most uh, close to Mongolia for me that I know. Um, yeah. Obviously, we start with our background stuff. Yeah. So one thing I'm curious about is why did you decide to go to Mongolia and what are the things you learned from your experience? Mm. Well, um, you know, it's so when I talk about this sometimes, but I think there's a time in your life when you're, you know, maybe in your mid twenties or so, but sometime in your life when you, you get to be an adult and you, you know, like you could settle down and have a career and, you know, kind of live the American dream of having your own house and a white picket fence and, you know, a consistent income. And some people choose to do that. Um, for me, it didn't feel, I sort of felt like it's what society wanted, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do. So um, I guess at that point in my life, I was really interested in broadening my horizons and learning about other cultures. And I'd done some traveling, like I traveled in Mexico for a while with a friend and 
um, it was amazing. Like I loved interacting with people from totally different backgrounds and, you know, that had kind of this wisdom about things that I knew nothing about. Um, but I, re- what I realized when I was traveling is that I felt sort of just like, um, a voyeur. I felt like I was just kind of living through these other people's lives, but I wasn't really contributing in any way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's why I wanted to do the Peace Corps. I wanted to be able to um, live in a place, but also be um, of use and, you know, try to give back to a community. So that's why, so I signed up for the Peace Corps. Um, I was also really interested in languages, um, learning another language too. And then, um, yeah, so I went through the process and you, there's a, you can actually request where you get placed. And I had heard about Mongolia actually through my dad first, because he's an avid reader, um, like myself. And he had read about, um, Mongolia. And so I started reading more about Mongolia and I was just really curious about, um, the nomadic culture for one thing. And then I also really love wilderness and nature. And I knew that um, there was a lot of wild places in Mongolia. And um, I was just really curious about that. So, yeah, so I signed, so I asked if I could go to Mongolia and um, I was allowed to. So that's kind of how my journey started. That was one part of your question, Joe. I forgot what was next. Oh, the next thing is just your experience, like your expectations and how it aligned to your what you actually experienced and also like the things you um, learned from that experience. And yeah. Mm. Well, one thing that I <laughs> that I learned is that things never go as you expect them to go. So I think that, you know, definitely I... I romanticized it a lot. Um, I pictured like, I don't know, just kind of like these like beautiful, pastoral, peaceful um, nomads that I would like spend a lot of time with. And um, I wasn't, I don't know, I guess I wasn't totally prepared for the, um, some of the more um, struggles, I guess, that, you know, some Mongolian people are going through. Yeah. Um, economic struggles and um, you know alcoholism that was surprising for me Um, so that's not necessarily like a negative thing but it was just one of the lessons that I learned was that you know you like in life you kind of have it's really easy to have like this ideal you know this perfect ideal of how things are going to go and they never do because you know, you don't, that's the beauty of life is that you don't know what's going to happen. That's what makes it so interesting. Um, but that was a lesson that I learned is that um, things don't go as you expect and that you, to have a great experience, you have to be truly open-minded and adaptable. Um, I don't know, you guys have had, you've moved to different countries too. So have you had those did you have expectations when you came to the U.S. or Canada? Yeah, I mean, according to my expectation, I, I should have, like, owned a house by now. So, house and car. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, fun fact, she didn't even plan to, like, get married 
<laughs> she wasn't That's even another <laughs> she wasn't she wasn't even okay i'm sorry but is it too personal about like that's, that's fine yeah okay and she wasn't even like you know she thought she would never have kids like, <laughs> at all not planning not planning i mean i don't know but not that time and not planning on like having a family but my uncle changed belief <laughs> and opinion and thought and so we can see how love is uh, how strong is love <laughs> <laughs> Sogo knows me too well um that's true though like i okay so about the kids joe um you know I, so in high school i remember just i mean i'm i would consider myself an environmentalist and i realized like pretty early in my life that one of the biggest um problems that the earth has right now is overpopulation so i was like you know i don't need to bring more children into the world um there's already enough children so probably i'll never have kids and i I could not imagine like spending my entire life with one person. That just seemed like crazy. <laughs> um, though I never really pictured myself getting married or having kids. Um, and when I went to Mongolia, um, yeah, I was definitely not looking for a relationship and it seemed like it would be really complicated um, marrying someone from a different country. So I was not looking for love. <laughs> But um, as Sogo said, like you can't, you can't plan love, right? Like you can't, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes we think that we can control everything in our life and we can, you know, create our own path. And, and I'm not saying that you can't like greatly influence your destiny. I think you can, but I also think there's a lot of surprise in life and that's one of the beauties of it. So I was definitely not looking for a relationship when I met your uncle Enke, but um, it was like one of the greatest things that happened, you know, like, um, um. <laughs> and now I have beautiful children and we're, you know, we're a multicultural family. And I think it's so cool that my kids have two cultures, you know, and two families in different places that makes their lives really rich. Yeah. yeah um for kids like they have like you know um, two different cultural background it's like for me it's the huge advantage so you mentioned like two interesting topic that i want i want to talk so first you say like you are environmentalist right i think so <laughs> i try to be i think so okay <laughs> So I'm going to start with like the dumbest question you ever heard. Okay. <laughs> you know, there are no dumb questions, right? <laughs> do you, do you believe in climate change? Um, well, I think it's a weird question to start with <laughs> because uh -huh. for me, it's not a matter of like, when we talk about belief, right, belief for me comes in when there are enough unknowns that you have to kind of take a leap of faith, right? Like, do you believe in God, right? Like you, 
you can't always necessarily empirically, you know, scientifically prove the existence of God. Some people believe and some people, you know, are, are more skeptical. But something like climate change, for me, it's not about belief because there is an overwhelming amount of evidence mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a fact, like we can document it and it's been documented and it's happening, you know, all around us. So for me, it's a weird age that we live in where, um, where we're still asking, like, do you believe in it or not? Because if you're asking if you believe in it or not, the suggestion is that maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not real, right? And you just have to pick your belief. So for me, that, that question in itself comes from a place in our society where we, um, we have enough people who um, don't want to accept the truth, you know. Yeah, that's the thing I ask, do you believe or not? People um, believe something they want to, I mean, they like to, or they would like to, or something like that. There's uh, facts. For example, climate change, and there's a lot of people who don't believe that, even though there's a lot of evidence, because they they don't want to believe this. Yeah, it's inconvenient. So it's... um, it's i mean there's a lot of concepts that scientifically proven and uh people don't want to believe it and then there's a lot of things that like um you said you mentioned like empiricism like skepticism right but like for climate change it's uh, observable you can see the right. evidence and then like um i don't know for for me when i was in mongolia uh, the only thing we were not noticing was like just uh, the weather is kind of changing. There's no like in between. It's either winter or summer. You know, I know either um, either fall or spring. And uh, winter and summer is like getting uh, shorter and shorter. That's the only thing we can notice. Like, can we we can see because we're landlocked. And then from going, it's like you know. You can't actually, like, you know, predict. But here, uh, you can see more. You can see the glaciers. You can see, like, anything. Not, like, you know, you don't have to read article. You don't have to see scientific, uh, scientifically proven things. You can just see that it is happening. But there's a lot of people, you know, right? A lot of people don't believe that. So, um the reason why I asked was like uh, trying to lead uh, the conversation to this kind of topics. One thing we could question is why people think uh, climate change is not real. Like, why are they consider why are they doubting scientific research and facts? So, when you are talking about, um, you know. The, that it's basically, I think what you're saying is that it's inconvenient for people to accept that climate change is happening because if it's, you know, if, if climate change is happening, which it is, then number one, it, it feels terrifying, right? Like if you, if you really accept, um, the projections that scientists are making. And if you accept that, you know, 
glaciers melting and sea levels rising and wildfires burning out of control and droughts and floods and, you know, acidification of the oceans and corals dying out. You know, if you accept that and permafrost melting, I mean, you know, if, if you if you actually look at what's happening um, and the changes that are happening at an incredibly fast rate, I mean, here, you know, the planet's been here for billions of years and within within 100 years, you know, 150 years by burning fossil fuels, um, humans have created, you know, these catastrophic events. So if you if you look at that and you really grasp what's going on and what it means for the future of your life, it's overwhelming. It's scary. You know, like who, who really wants to live in a world that feels so scary, you know? And for, in my opinion, I think that's one of the reasons is that it's a lot easier to deny it because it's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And another reason I think is that to address climate change, it requires huge changes and, you know, people are comfortable, like, especially, I mean, look at, you know, the U.S. is like the number one per capita um, emitter of, of pollution, fossil fuel. And, and Americans are, you know, Americans don't want to change. Americans want their big gas burning vehicles. They want their big houses that, you know, take a ton of energy and, um, to really do what is required takes um, a lot of sacrifice. And I don't think that people want to make sacrifices. And then I think there's also, you know, the third one I think is that, um, you know, there's mass, mass propaganda and, um, you know, falsification of, of the truth on social media. And unfortunately, we live in an age where, People are more interested in being entertained by whatever is posted on social media platforms than actually educating themselves. So we live in an age of misinformation, and that, of course, is also feeding it. Yeah. So I definitely agree with Aunt Amy for everything she said about. I think misinformation is a big factor. Like, young people are... Like young people are exposed to misinformation on the uh, social media, and then they tend to, we tend to believe that it's, uh, it is what it, it is what exactly is, mm-hmm. so that we tend to get biased towards about towards climate change, and yeah. So I think this uh, that's a big factor, of course, and. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question too? Oh yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm curious, like, so I'm obviously quite a bit older than you. Um, but you know, I I worry, I think, about the future of the planet less for myself than my children. Um mm-hmm. so and you guys at your age, um, like, I mean, how does it how does it make you feel when you really contemplate um the future of your lives on this earth is it scary for you or do you feel like inspired to want to be involved and try to make a change or you know how does it affect you with this um pretty weighty understanding of 
what's going on with the planet right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me, it's, um, okay, it's kind of scary, but it's out of our hand for me. People are getting more and more like, you know, non-diable, if you excuse, because <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the technology is getting, obviously we are, we are uh, overpopulated. Uh, this year we are like uh, over 8 billion, right? So which is like one or two years uh, earlier than expected. So we are overpopulated among humans. Um, ever since agriculture uh, revolution invented and the, uh, we are, our uh, lifestyle and, uh, you know, living conditions getting easier and sa uh, safer. And, uh, you know, we have more time. We, we can settle down there. And there's a human-created vaccination and something like that to save our lives uh, longer and longer. And we uh, human live longer and longer and tend to continue to do that. I don't think there will be a time that, um, I mean, I don't know. We can't reverse this, like, uh, this cycle, right? We can't kill people and we can't, like, you know, I don't know. We're just, for me, it's out of our, our hand. And uh, if you see, like, outside world, they're, they're not aware of, like, climate change is happening. It's not matters of they believe or not. They believe climate change is happening, but they don't know what, what's going on. How rapid is it? How dangerous is it? They're just still buying their, like, um, bottle, bottle of water with the plastic uh, bottle and using all this, like, plastic usage and like, you know, having too many clothes that they don't know how many water, how many gallon water requires to make just only one jeans. And they eat all this delicious meat that they don't, they have no idea about their farming. And I don't know, it's this, all these things like makes me think that it's just, it's just like, you know, how human destroying the planet and then that's just uh, personally I like try to like restrict myself like I tried not I tried like a little bit uh, going vegetarian now I cut my plastic usage I don't buy new clothes if I buy uh, old clothes I give up one clothes something like that it's just uh, changing my behavior but I mean as a young person it's kind of sad but I don't think you can reverse this so you can go ahead first well i was just thinking of, so do you know the term um fatalistic yeah so what you're saying to me sounds sort of very fatalistic like you you see it as your fate and there's nothing that you can really do to influence it which is a very kind of helpless feeling right like you feel like this is this is this like dark destiny and you you have no effect to change it um and for me that's what's scary is that i think that if people get to the point where it feels fatalistic mm. you kind of give up it's kind of like and i'm not saying you Sogo. i'm saying people in general it's like oh if this is happening anyway 
then it's just going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. People are more likely not to change their behavior. Whereas if we believe that it is possible to, to make a change and everybody did change their behavior and governments changed their policies and, you know, then that if there's a, if there's hope, I guess, then people are more likely to change, right? If it's fatalistic, people are less likely to really like believe there's anything they can do about it. Yeah. Uh, fatalism is like, has a two meaning, right? So uh, if you think fatalism is like acceptance of all things that event like inevitable, uh, you're right. And there's also one meaning that the faith or in like, okay, let's forget about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you're right. But uh, fatalism also applies for when you like, you know, dying, right? And you're accepting you're dying and then you're enjoying the moment. Yeah. And it's for psychology, it's kind of important that Okay, let's say there's a case that one has a, a cancer and then it's like the most dangerous level and they have like one month to live. So there's a levels like some people skip to uh, skip the all levels to fatalism, except that it's, it's ha happening, right? But some people never been there. So um, it's, a, it's kind of, you can see it as a like more philosophical question. You know, you know what's happening, and uh, people say that. Okay, I have encountered a lot of people who says that uh, technology is going to reverse this. Technology <laughs> is going to save the world. Yeah, I think I'm one of those people. Okay, so let's talk about more that about. So and, uh, for I me have, personally, uh, I think. Um, we are, uh, as humans, we are innovators and we, we, I don't know, um, we, we cause problems, but at the same time, we also try to solve them. So I think we definitely have the potential to fix it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I also um, think that we are in the process of, changing things back to normal or like the way if, if if it's not the way it was i think at least we're really trying like uh compared to like 10 years ago or five years ago even i think a lot more people are concerned about climate change now and i think um people are also working on many projects that can help with climate change and as well as organizations and stuff. And um, so yeah, um, solar, uh, wind and whatever, like cars that don't use fuels anymore. Like those are the examples of how we're really trying to transition to a better behavior, I think. So that's my question though, Joe, is like, oh, okay. are we, um, I mean, I appreciate your optimism. I think that's great and important, Thank you. <laughs> but I also feel like, um, 
are we really changing our behavior just by inventing things that um, allow us to continue our behaviors, <laughs> continue like our consumptive lifestyle, um, but potentially produce less, you know, carbon dioxide. So do you know what I'm saying? Like, so you're it's just some, that we're just changing the, I don't know, changing the, the stuff in the fridge, but it's still keeping the fridge. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. cool definition exactly <laughs> <laughs> and so you know i mean like um okay so i have my family we have a um an electric hybrid car it's like a small it's a ford c-max and you know we can charge it we plug it into our just our household power and we can get like um 20 miles per gallon that's like um what, like 32 kilometers or something? Sorry, no, um, not per gallon, but like we can run for 32 kilometers on the electric battery. So, you know, it's basically not using gas. And then mm -hmm. after that, it becomes a hybrid where it's like gas and electric, right? Um, and that feels like, I'm going to be honest, like it, it feels good to have a car that doesn't pollute as much, right? And we're trying to like, do you know participate and do our share but on the other hand <laughs> we're still driving a lot and um you know my kids have practices and school and you know things to go to and it's almost like it's like I forgive myself for driving a lot because I have this electric vehicle you know but when you think about it it's like well think about all the materials and energy that go into building the car right? Think about um, where the battery, the materials for the battery come from. You know, a lot of times it's like child labor or, you know, it's like really a toxic environment to the communities um, where these precious metals come from, you know, and it's energy intensive to make them as well. And so, you know, I, I just think that there's like, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a cynic about it, but I think that in a way it's like we excuse ourselves from being massive consumers by saying, well, now it's like electric powered, right? Or it's solar. Um, but behind all that, there's a ton of energy and materials that go into the creation of it still too. And then there's like, okay, what are you going to do in 50 years when it, um, when everything, you know, needs replaced? Like it's still an endless cycle of production. And if you're producing, you're, you're polluting. I guess, you know, that's, that's the cynical older person's viewpoint. <laughs> oh, no, 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 definitely. That's a good, that's a really good point. Um, so yeah, I also don't disagree with that too. So, but still, I think we already came up with all of this um, innovations and technology, and it's hard to say no to all this, considering how much effort and time we um, dedicated to this so what I'm trying to say is that I don't really think it's inevitable to say no to those things we already um, yeah well don't like don't misunderstand me what I'm oh, not sorry. saying um, I'm not saying 
like that we shouldn't have electric vehicles instead of big consuming trucks. Like, you know, like, of Mm -hmm. course, it's great to have an electric vehicle over a gas producing one, right? Like that's better. Um, It's better to have solar power. It's better to have wind power. You know, that's obviously an improvement over um, producing a lot of carbon dioxide and methane gas and everything, right? But I guess my bigger thing is that ultimately we consume too much. And unless we're willing to change our lifestyle and our behaviors, you know, to mm-hmm. become like, like Sogo's saying, you know, like he buys used clothes, he, and I do too, um, you know, he, does, he tries not to use plastics, um, try to buy locally, eat locally, only buy what you need, you know, basically, basically be a minimalist. So it's like, unless we're also willing to change our behaviors and our consumption, then I think it's dangerous to be like, well, the solution is in electric vehicles or the solution is in, you know, solar power, because ultimately it doesn't solve the problem of over-consuming and over-polluting ultimately. I guess, that, does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. I think I kind of fixed the opinion that I had um, a bit. Yeah, thanks. I have a, a absolute solution. Okay, what is it? Solution. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and then they were like talking about it was like um, some expert about the climate change, and then they were like talking about uh, how the glaciers melting, right? And uh, the ice in. Uh, Antarctic or like the glaciers, it like mm-hmm. it froze a millions and millions years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So it has a potentially unknown bacteria or virus in it, like frozen together with the ice and uh, unknown, which means we don't have any immune system toward them, uh, these bacteria. So they are like, so recently, like, not only COVID, there's a lot of wires has been there, right? And we're not familiar with it. And uh, I mean, it's just hypothetical theory. It's not proven. But um, I mean, it, it makes sense for me. And the solution is, <laughs> it's too dark. Uh, I don't, I can't <laughs> it, but <laughs> okay, there's an unknown virus coming out and then like kill... <laughs> Half of the human's population. <laughs> oh, so you're saying like population control will come through natural illness? Like COVID only worse? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> COVID is worse. It's bad for human, not the not earth or not the environment. If you see like, I mean, I mean, I'm saying human, dying human is good for earth <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's too dark <laughs> okay, but, um, well it could be a natural i mean at some point if we continue to grow the population like it is at some point it's it's gonna crash you know like you cannot indefinitely grow your population and have so many demands for food and energy supplies and not have some major catastrophe right so so that's maybe 
talking about the destroying the earth. We're not like actually physically destroyed the earth or like destroyed us. You know, we, we're not going to explode the earth, right? Well, what I mean, uh, like destroying the earth is like we're destroying the ecosystem, you know, yeah. current ecosystem. So that's the thing. Um, you said like we're not we're gonna crash. Okay, that's the point where we're like breaking the ecosystem. Broke, uh, you know, that's the th thing. Like if we break the ecosystem, the current world, that world we imagine is gonna end for me. And um, we're just overpopulated. For Joe's point, uh, that's what I said. Uh, we can we can slow it down, but we can't reverse it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I appreciate people like trying, and there are a lot of people I really amazed at doing this. They're just like you know giving their life to climate change and this kind of things. You know, uh, not only you know, uh, there's a lot of people in Mongolia too. I know a lot of people uh, who's like educating people, you know, about this kind of stuff. But uh, the thing is. That's just, for example, uh, hydrogen uh, hydrogen engine, right? So it's cool. You're you're not mm -hmm. using anything. Yeah. Just using the hydrogen, but we still need material to build that car. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot. Um, for this time, why the hydrogen engine is not, uh, you know, selling is because it's like it costs it uh, it costs a lot too just uh you know make this engine so this kind of thing you know and um i can't see that the point where we can we, we're not using any material or any resource you know there's a lot there, there will be always the time and then human population gonna always like grow until the ecosystem is broken that's why i thought like it's not gonna you know, change. And there's a lot of people like <laughs> trying to find another planet that we can leave. <laughs> <They're selfish. laughs> it's, like, know? it's like you've given up on this planet. So you're already looking for somewhere else to live. <laughs> I mean, but if you, that's selfish. But if you think like, if you're like too selfish and then if you, you want to leave, that's, for me, that's more realistic than like reversing the Earth. For you me. think it's more realistic to like colonize Mars than to? It's not only Mars. I mean, <laughs> or whatever it ends so... up being. <laughs> to live in yeah. the in the infinite universe than to. I don't know. Uh, People are curb crazy. our appetite for consumption on this planet. I don't know. People are crazy. Maybe scientists make another planet you know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like a fake planet and then leave there and then well so the would you guys if they did would you would you rather leave this earth and go strike out and try to live oh for sure um if you'd be i mean have you thought through what that would be like um, having no fresh air no trees you know no birds to hear like you'd be completely disconnected from what we consider the natural eco ecosystems it would be completely human fabricated 
you would choose that? Um, definitely not. Definitely, I would rather stay here because you know what? Like, it seems nice to live out there, like live the earth, or because like everything is there, all the food or anything you want is there. But it's definitely not really easy to adapt. I think I don't know, but what I would really choose is to stay on Earth, whatever it takes. Yeah. So I've been talking about our like uh, evolution, evolving our body and our like mind, right? And that yes. can apply here. So if we go out, like, really, like. human-made planet there'll be there'll be a, a, a huge almost everybody gonna get depression at least uh, it's gonna it's not gonna be a happy life it's just you're surviving there barely surviving just your physical body surviving your mental health is like dying mm-hmm. because like yeah. this all million years human evolved right the evolutionary and last like um i don't know like 100 years we just 100 200 years like uh developed a lot it's like you know it's so fast that we can our body can't make it like happen with with our um we, our body can change with our mind with our surrounding with with our environment our body is still evolving but it's you know body evolution is takes a long time right so um for me it's not going to be life out there it's going to be just surviving process and uh, i don't think people will ever adapt in different But yeah i mean I, i um i read a book recently and i i've forgotten the title Um, but it basically was about that. So the, you know, the planet has been, um, you know, ravaged by fires and people are starving. And so they've created this um, um, self-sustaining spaceship, basically, where a select group of people, you know, go on the spaceship and they're, you know, they have like seeds and so they can cultivate food and they have, um, they have these machines that like can produce like food you know out of powder or whatever um and it's you know it's like they can live they're alive mm-hmm. you know and they can procreate but they're like robots you know like there's no joy in their life and um they're just kind of they're keeping their bodies alive basically um and they have you know their greatest joy which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. is they have this virtual library and they go yeah. into the library and they have all these records of life on earth and so what brings them joy is reading about you know and like reliving what it was like to live on the planet earth <laughs> and that that's the only thing that really that brings them joy um and and the book actually ends by um like like you said they so go like a virus right so this dormant virus you know comes back and it kills everybody except this one girl and she ultimately figures out that the spaceship that they're in actually never took off from earth it's actually in canada joe oh, and, they, oh. and so it was like the spaceship 
um, that never left. Everyone on board believed that it had left. It was an experiment to see if it was possible, um, you know, to survive like within a, a vessel for, you know, dozens of years. So she figures it out and she gets out of the spaceship and she's like able to return to earth. And like, she's just overwhelmed with emotion when she smells um, the rain, you know, and she touches the grass and she hears the birds and the ocean. And it's like, it's like this part of her comes awake, you know, like what it means to be human. And part of what it means to be human is to be alive in this world, you know, and to, to have your senses interact with, um, you know, the natural world. I, I thought that was kind of a, kind of a cool ending, you know, to remind us of how important it is to, that our bodies and our minds and our spirits, if you believe in that, are, they come from the earth, you know, and we're designed to interact with, with the natural world. That's part of what gives us vitality. Yeah, people think that happiness is kind of subjective concept, you know, but for me, it's not. It's whatever give us dopamine or just like happiness hormones, you know, whatever it is, it's just uh, happy, like being happy is just chemical in our brain, right? And like I, I say, like uh, our body is still in like in the old version, we're still, the dopamine is still really least when we hear uh, a river or like you know see a fire you know that kind of thing because back then like um, getting a fresh water is kind of like hard and uh, building fire is just uh, the way we survive so it's, it was kind of hard so um, our body still needs them for me and uh, mm -hmm. that gives our like happiness Right. So for now, um, people are just like far from everything. You just go to grocery shop and grab your food. You're not involving your harvesting your food or like getting your food. And that's why you don't know the value. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I was talking about the alone show. I mean, for people, it's just a show. Right. But for me, it's just like life, life changing lesson. Because on there, every time they find food, just they're so happy. Mm. They're so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Most of them, they're so grateful, and then they're, they're not they're not wasting anything from there, right? And yeah. they're just respecting everything, respecting their all these animals, because they have to, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like you know, living in wild all the way it's like it's like mind-blowing but if you go to grocery shop and then just grab a meat you don't know you're not appreciated you're, you're and then most likely you're gonna waste it or like i don't know something like that um you know i was thinking about um sorry did i cut you off Togo? no uh i was going to ask like about that for you you, you can go well ahead. i was just thinking about mongolia and how you guys are from mongolia and you know i mean one of the things that struck me when i lived there is um just the contrast between i mean you're talking about happiness right so mm -hmm. the contrast between coming from america where 
I don't know, we have like pretty high rates of depression and suicide and kind of this very, um, I mean, there's great things about America, but there is kind of the selfishness that kind of underlays a lot. Um, and when I went to Mongolia, especially with, um, well, with everybody, but especially with the nomadic people, the herders, mm-hmm. I just like, I just had this like um, feeling that of happiness, you know, like, like less coming from me than coming from just kind of being in a Mongolian family or, you know, being in um, um, with the herders and staying in the gear and like, I, I don't know. I've just like, I've never laughed so much in my life at just like this, the little things, you know, or been so comfortable just like sitting around and not even saying anything, but just like being comfortable in each other's company, you know, or like just the way that herders, um, they're just so connected immediately with their food, like you're saying, you know, that um, they know exactly where pretty much everything um not just where it comes from, but like the life history of it, you know, like they, they know their animals so well, they're intimately connected with their animals. And, um, there's this direct cycle with, you know, they take care of their animals and that becomes their food. And, you know, there's just this very natural cycle of life with the herders and it's very simple. Um, they're not materialistic, you know, they basically have what they need. They don't consume a lot, you know, they leave a pretty little, a small footprint. And I think that is directly related to a sense of happiness because, um, you know, if you don't need a lot and if you're connected with, you know, the source of things and they're connected with, they're outside all the time, right? They're connected with the outdoors. Um, I think that that there's like this underlying peace and happiness that also comes with that, which, which to me, like when I saw that, I was like, or when I experienced that, it was really overwhelming because, you know, there's very poor people in America for sure that suffer a lot, but there's also a lot of middle upper class Americans who have so many more resources than the herders or even the average Mongolian family. And, you know, like so many more opportunities and so much more stuff, (laughs) but they're not happy, you know, like they're suffering because there there's a disconnect you know there's a disconnect with the meaning of life and um you know so i think that i don't know i think you guys are even though you you don't live like herders i think you guys come from that you're connected to that Mm -hmm. you know and you're you guys um you guys have a kind of an ability to be adaptable and to be content with what you have that I think is really special. And I think it, you know, maybe comes from your roots of, you know, growing up in Mongolia. Do you feel that at all or? Yeah, I do feel it. And then I do, I mean, my background um, plays important role for me now who I am, because for me, I at least like appreciate what I have. Because I know the, what it be like without that, those things. So comparing that, it's kind of, there's a lot of situations that I didn't have those kind of things or those kind of opportunity. And I just like dreamed or like, you know, dying for those opportunity. And then now I have, 
those kind of things. So it kind of gives me like, you know, um, like giving the value of everything and, you know, appreciating these kind of things. Yeah, um, I got a question for Joe. What's happiness for you? <laughs> Um, happiness. Don't don't that's take a like really, it. Oh, that's a really. Mm -hmm. I think about it a lot, but I never actually. I never actually. I never actually found the answer to that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, like a definition or something. I don't have that personally but I think that's where you feel um calm uh -huh. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor I feel like that's more like a mental state where you feel calm so that's where you could probably find happiness uh -huh. but um still trying to figure out what that really is uh -huh. You know, yeah, I'm not really a bro, but <laughs> I didn't even know like what it really is. I'm sorry. No, it's, but when you say calm, are you thinking about uh, is it similar to peace? Um, I think so. I think most of the time I my mind is like all over the place. Like I can't even figure out what I'm like I've I have so many thoughts at the same time and also <laughs> it it's just so messy and I think happiness is where you get to feel what it feels like to have like one single thought or something I don't know like <laughs> I I really can't describe it too well too yeah it's not it's okay not not describing happiness you don't have to describe the happiness but yeah i mean i get your point yeah um for anthony the same question what is the happiness for you i mean our uh focus kind of like comes to an end so i think it's uh, like last question um i i mean i think i i like where Joe's going with the idea of being calm and finding inner peace, I guess. So if you're, if you're able to, I mean, maybe happiness isn't even like exactly what the ideal human state is. I don't know. Maybe peace, peace is the ideal human state, but um, yeah, an ability to be resilient when difficulties arise and to be grateful for your circumstances, um, you know, regardless of what they are. I mean, I really admire, you know, people like Gandhi, who, you know, despite all of the difficult circumstances, um, was able to be optimistic and grateful about life, you know, and um, I mean, people like that can create incredible change in the world. So um yeah i think gratitude or you know the dalai lama like even when he's suffering mm -hmm. um he's still able to laugh you know and I, I think that a lot of that comes from an inner peace you know an ability to be um um grateful for your circumstances 
something mm-hmm. I aspire to. <laughs> I don't know if you ever, it's unusual to be someone as, you know, as great as the Dalai Lama, but we can all aspire to it. Um, also, I don't, I'm not really sure if happiness is what we truly seek for, or is it just a temporary state of mind that you also experience besides other emotions? According yeah, to- I think. Go ahead. So you go ahead. According to Aristotle, human men just seek happiness, and he even uh, described uh, happiness and happiness is activity. Right. Yeah. It's an activity. So then, by the very nature of that, um, it is temporary, isn't it? I mean, like Joe's saying. I mean, you're. You can do activities that create happiness, but is it sustainable? You know, whereas whereas I, I think peace, I think you can achieve a, a more um, prolonged inner peace maybe than the state of happiness. It seems like if you're happy by nature, you're going to have sadness, aren't you? I mean, there's got to be that polarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no one asked me but my <laughs> my point for happy <laughs> um, it's just okay I'm gonna describe it like more impersistic when people would think I'm kind of ignorant but I am um, <laughs> I believe more like impersistic way like materialistic it's just endorphins oxygen and uh, dopamine and serotonin for me happiness is when they release we feel happy feel more positive it's just a state i don't and uh, aristotle's um to have definition of happiness happiness is activity right but um when people say about happy it's like as joe said it didn't just peace right um they're they're healthy for both physical and mental that's the weird point um we live in peace the i mean i, I sorry go ahead so go the source of these uh, hormones like um you can take like from everything so for now uh, especially dopamine we're just trying to fake the dopamine from everything you know, instant gratification, <clears throat> Instagram or like everything, pornography, uh, you know, everything. We're just trying to get the dop- dopamine as soon as possible and then as much as possible. But dopamine has a limit. And then when you use drug and then like dopamine released so much, but after you used it, use the drug, because you don't have any dopamine in your brain, it feels so dark in life. So when you're in peace, you can take these uh, happiness uh, hormones like easily and naturally, not faking it. So I see that's uh, where you are at peace. I would even say that that peace is a state of being independent of hormonal responses if that like so you can be consistently having a deep 
inner state of peace, you know, and then on top of that deep inner state of peace, you can have times of more extreme happiness and joy, and you can have sadness, but you still come, you know, within those fluctuations, you still maintain this deep sense of peace. Whereas if, if your only goal is this dopamine hit, you know, so-called happiness, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not, for one thing, it's not genuine and it's also not sustainable. Like you're saying, you know, like if you're, you know, doing these drugs or, you know, the social media craze or whatever, because you, you require some kind of dopamine hit, um, then you're not really at peace, are you? you're really in the state of agitation. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for like natural dopamine hits. (laughs) You know, I love to like go skiing and go speeding down the hills and ride my bike. And, you know, like um, I love to do that kind of stuff, but it's, it's, it's natural and it's joyful, you know, but it's not like the only purpose of life. It's just a nice compliment to living a peaceful life. Um, I want to ask, is there, if there was one, what was the one key takeaway or anything you've got from today's discussion? What's the key word? <laughs> Sorry. Like the, like the main something that you, an idea that you take away with, you know, or something that you're thinking about now that we've had this conversation. Or we're just concluding or that I observed? That you observed. Um, Pretty much, I mean, it's a great discussion. You don't have to observe any, uh, like all the time from every discussion, but it was kind of valuable for me to like, you know, exchange the ideas for, especially like the the matters that I want to share most for people. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was, the only thing I observe, the most important thing I observed was just like, you know, great conversation and then having fun. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I can fun. say that I, I love um, hearing, I mean, you guys know that I'm not a huge technology fan. <laughs> I'm, you know, I see it as like one of the problems in our society today. But I love hearing about your optimism with with technology. I think it's good for me to remember that there are some um, really positive uses of technology. And I think it's great that you guys are figuring out um, ways to be in this world and use technology in a positive way, but also be mindful of, you know, making your own choices about what is valuable to you in your life, you know, whether or not you're using technology because everybody else does or because you're being creative with it and uh, mindful, you know, so thanks for sharing your ideas with me. It's a good reminder that the world's not black and white (laughs) and even your old aunt can accept the use of technology sometimes. (laughs) So definitely how Amy also uh, I, I liked Amy's point that um, that ultimately our behavior is the only thing that we need to fix so 
I think that was a really great point that I really kind of missed. Mm. It's maybe not the only only thing, but it's like it's huge, right? It's a big part of the equation. And so, yeah, so personal accountability and responsibility is kind of where it starts, you know, like I remember when I was when I was growing up, there was this big push to like everybody needs to turn their lights off when you're not using lights, right? Like save electricity. And it doesn't seem like a big thing, right? Like, okay, so I turn my lights off. How does that change the world? But through education, you know, if enough people does it and that education and knowledge can spread, it can make a change. And it it did. Like the United States, we were able to cut down on our electricity use in a huge way just by educating people about turning off their lights, you know? And so I think on the one hand, like there's the fatalistic you know, like we can't change things. It's overwhelming. On the other hand, you know, you guys live in this um, information age where the right education, you know, can help promote like positive behavior changes. So you never know. Maybe it starts with you. Okay. So go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, another thing that I wanted to ask is what, um, I'm talking to you, Amy, um, and I was trying to ask you if there's any um, fictional character or a well-known person or any person you would like to, uh, you kind of look up to, and is there someone like that? Like, you mean, like, rep- represent herself or? Yeah, do you want yourself to represent as someone else on the poster? Oh, that's, yeah, that's actually a cool idea. I mean, a uh, poster. What do you mean? Like the poster that we post on our social accounts. Yeah. When I, I showed you. I showed you our like the, the logo, something like that. And mm. for each episode, Joe, uh, draw something uh, new. I mean, our, or the Kafka and Esto are still there, but, for example, Onyaja represented herself as a Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. <laughs> So you can, um, yeah. Can I think about it and tell Togo? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That works too. Okay. okay. So um, here's the, our ending of our podcast. And do you have final words that you can tell our audience or like, you know, something like that, like turn off the light? <laughs> so, I think this is, episode was a little touch up with the deeper stuff about climate change but I think it definitely um, reminded people that we're still in the process of um, finding the solution so I think it was something very interesting discussion but I think it would have been if it was uh, a little longer it would have been better I think, but yeah, still, we're looking forward to have you um, a few times more. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. So do you have any comments, Aaron, Timmy? Well, I just want to say thank you for including me in your super cool podcast. I love that you guys are doing this. And yeah, like I would say don't underestimate the power 
that you as an individual can have, um, you know, believe in the power of your, of your choices and, um, your ability to make change in the world, turn off your lights. <laughs> yeah. It matters. It, it matters a lot. It does. Okay, it spreads. Uh, yeah. yeah, it does. Okay. Thank you for, um, joining us and then it's always great to, and pleasure to talk to you and then you're the one of the smartest person i have ever known i never told you but <laughs> yeah that's well, definitely i think i've been i told um her about like how i admire her and her inspirations and i even um three years ago i remember that i'm saying to her like oh you should be a uh, you should run for president. Do you remember that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> you say, no. Well, you guys are super nice. I would say maybe you need to get out and meet some more people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I hope it's not our, I mean, it's our first episode for with Antemi and I hope it's not the last one. And uh, I hope we're going to discuss more interesting things and more longer so. I'm sorry I'm sorry I don't see you more I'm sorry that the four minutes when you see a song could feel like a chore since I'm sorry I'm the king sorry we ain't close as we should have been sorry to my old friends stories we could have wrote if our egos didn't take the pen sorry to the freaks I let on